Hello to everyone listening. I am Matt Norlander. I am the host of the Records and Riffs podcast. If for some reason this is the first episode you're stumbling upon, go ahead, search it out on iTunes, give it a look. You'll see a variety of topics, different different things all over the map that uh, this podcast hits on, and it's what I hope to be an enjoyable experience for any person that considers themselves a music fan to an enthusiastic degree. This is an interview episode with Martin Courtney of Real Estate, and I think I'll probably do three, maybe four interview episodes per quote-unquote season of this podcast. In this first batch, I've got three. I've got an interview with a member of Guster and one with Umphreys McGee, and now Martin Courtney with Real Estate. A couple quick notes here. One, Martin Courtney has a solo record called Many Moons that will be out in late October of 2015. So if you're listening to this well after that, if you like the real estate sound, I would definitely would recommend going and checking that out. Uh, part of why I wanted to have him on is I, th- I listened to a couple of songs off that and I thought, yeah, this is actually pretty solid for, for a solo output and it's got enough differentiation from the real estate sound where I think it was a record that was worth making on his behalf. But overall, I just real estate is a, is a terrific band. They've got a good melodic sense and great summer spring listening music you can listen all year long but i you know to me i love playing it when the sun's really shining i love their sonic approach and i wanted to have them on this podcast feels like to me when i was when i was doing it even though we were going over skype to skype it felt like we were just sitting in his living room just talking on his couch casual stuff about how to make it in a band how they came to be so he was revealing in that kind of way and this is one of those bands where you don't probably don't know too much about them, but you might have one of their their records on your iPod, or you might enjoy the real estate channel on Spotify or Pandora. Well, here's what they're about, and you know what they're going to continue to do, and and how they've really established what works for them. And I think that's okay for a lot of bands. So enjoy my interview with Martin Courtney. Thank you so much. Be for, be sure to review and rate in iTunes if you haven't already. And here he is. Today's episode of the Records and Riffs podcast touches on a band that I'm, well, liking more and more as the years go on, and it's actually one of the bands that my wife and I tend to kind of go back to a lot when we're like, what should we listen to? Uh, Big time fans of real estate, and today's interview is with the band leader and primary songwriter for real estate. His name is Martin Courtney, and we're going to touch on so much of what makes real estate sound work in the modern musical landscape, because I think the band does a lot of things that are kind of national organic to guitar-driven indie bands, but at the same time, they aren't found too much in the present scene, so to speak, as maybe they were a decade ago. And Martin also has a solo record coming out at the end of October, and we're going to get into that as well. Martin, thank you for joining me, man. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Yeah, thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, Very excited to do this podcast. Uh, There are so many ways we can start and so many things and avenues I want to get to with your music but the band name, the obvious question first, it's one of the, like, I don't, I don't know, real estate, where does it come from? And did you think it up? It's, it's kind of a, to be frank, I mean, it's, it's a fine band name, but it's kind of, you know, just, it's a, it's, there's, there's no bizarre hook to it, so to speak. And, uh, and I've always wondered how you settled on a name like that. Um, well, I didn't come up with it. We, I think, at, at the, well, so the, the story goes that, uh, when we were first having like our first kind of summer of band practices and kind of writing, working on the first batch of tunes. And even I think before we, we played any shows, uh, I was also, um, this was right after like the summer after I graduated from college and I was living at home and, uh, just 
going to real estate school to get my license because that's what my parents do. So I figured, you know, not really having a job at the time or uh, any real direction, uh, that would be at least a good place to to start so I could make some money and move out. Um, so that's what I was doing uh, during the week um, was getting my license and then like, the other guys would come over. We would practice in my parents' basement sometimes. Uh, and, like, so on one of those occasions, they stayed and had dinner with my parents. Um, and uh, my, my my parents were joking around about how you know, they should get their licenses, too, and then they could all come <laughs> work for my parents. And, you know, like, then you guys would all have jobs uh, or something, you know, and which I uh, – I don't know. So we were we were joking around about you know oh like we could uh we could all work for a real estate agency and then be in a band at night and then we call the band real estate and then that would just we would just people would say what do you do and we'd say we're in real estate and we're, that was so ah. this is just like a really dumb joke um but then I don't know it, for some reason it stuck because I mean I really didn't like it for the longest time because it just seemed so boring to me but I also do like it because it's, it doesn't sound like a band name that's, like, trying to sound cool, you know, like, I, that was, that's kind of the hardest thing, is, like, naming a band, and then you want it to sound cool, but then anything that you think sounds cool ends up sounding like you're trying to make a name that sounds cool, I guess. Uh, I don't know. But if you kind of take it apart, it's cool, like, real sounds cool estate just is like a cool looking word i feel like mm -hmm. it looks nice on paper you can make cool like logos out of it and stuff <laughs> so uh <laughs> i don't know that's yeah it's just a name that stuck that you know then as the as kind of the years went on it sort of like started to make sense in different ways because like a lot of our songs are written about the suburbs and stuff and i don't know kind of all fits some sort of a theme yeah there is a blend to that and the and the the real truth of so many band names is there's no there's no grand come to moment or eureka musing. It's just like, yeah, we named it and it kind of stuck, and it is yeah. just what it is. So, I, I, but I, I'm always curious about how bands uh, find their names. Now, in terms of you guys forming, so let me get this straight here. You, you, your bass player Alex Bleeker, you and him technically played t-ball together way back in the day, back in the heyday of the '90s. But then you all kind of got to know each other again, or at least the the core of the group. Um, after college, how did you guys actually form as as a band post college? When, by the way, you know, you you guys specifically, I mean, you created this with the intent on making it a living, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> to a certain level like, of success, like you, you know, no, you didn't I, you didn't fall into it. Is that accurate to say? Uh, we well, so no, so uh, well, first of all, like, yeah, I met I met Alex when we were in third grade, but then. Um, we became friends cause we were going to, we were going to different elementary schools in the same town. Uh, but then we became buddies in eighth grade when we were in science class together. Um, and then we met Matt when we went to high school, he was a grade above us. So when we were in ninth grade, he was in 10th grade. So we were really, okay. the three of us were like really good friends all throughout high school. Um, and then we, kind of went off in different directions for college, uh, but stayed in touch and stayed pretty close. And then pretty much right after college, we started this band just cause you know, 
we had been talking about it, you know, even in college, Matt and I were talking about, you know, I had been writing songs and he was like, we should start a band and we should play your songs. And like, I can put my style on it. Cause he'd been, he had just started this DuckTales project that he still does now, but it was way different back then. And, uh, you know, we were just kind of like having a conversation about this band that we could possibly start. And, um, yeah, but then also it's, so then at that same time when, you know, when our senior year of college, um, some of our friends that we had known in high school that I, I mean, like the band Titus Andronicus were just getting their start and they got like, I think their, their pitchfork review went up and they got best new music and we were all like really excited for them. And like, you know, just thought it was really cool that, you know, they were actually making it. Um, and the same thing with Vivian girls too, you know, like these bands that we had played, open mics with in high school and you know i was in i was in a band with patrick from titus for years and Hmm. a a different band in high school uh so it was just like seeing you know our good friends that you know we considered to be you know our peers uh kind of making it and so to speak in the indie world and touring and um being written about on pitchfork and stuff like different blogs and everything we were just like, well, you know, this seems like a viable, at least, I mean, we didn't have any expectations of actually succeeding, but we were at least like, we knew that we had, we could see a kind of a path that we could follow. And then we also knew a lot of people in, in Brooklyn, just from having grown up around the city and gone to shows a lot. And even throughout college, like during the summers, going to a lot of Todd P shows and stuff and just, we kind of just figured like we, we would at least be able to, to, to get some shows, you know, at first. So, so, but no, we didn't have any expectation that like anything was really going to happen other than maybe we could, I don't know. We really didn't expect anything. We just, we kind of, we were doing this, we were recording our stuff ourselves at home and we definitely were kind of going for the lo-fi thing. Uh, not necessarily on purpose, just because we, we, I, we, we were really into home recording. I think we, you know, that was something that was a, kind of a foundational uh, element to the band was like the idea of, of like trying to do cool stuff with like a cassette eight track or whatever. And just, uh, you know, using that as sort of a songwriting tool. Um, so that's sort of how the first record came about was just, you know, a home recorded jumble of different ideas. Um, but you know, the idea that like a, a label, you know, as cool as Woodsist would even want to put it out was, was really, really foreign to us. You know, when they, when, uh, when they decided to put the record out, we were really, really excited. So it, yeah, we kind of, it happened really quickly. I think over that, that first year of being a band from like 2008 to 2009, like a lot of stuff fell into place really quickly. Yeah, can you detail that a little bit further uh, for me, Martin? Because what you guys were able to do was break through, like, okay, you're an indie rock band in the Brooklyn, New York, greater, you know, metro area. There are a thousand of those, okay? And you guys were able to develop 
critical acclaim fairly early on, and as you mentioned, the Woods Disc label kind of picking up on that first release, uh, and then Days, obviously, which came out in 2011, was was a huge breakthrough. But whether it be, uh, did you guys have to try and book any gig, any kind of where, you know, no matter what, was it some of that, or was it just getting the music into the hands of the right people that would listen to it and help you you know, dis- distribute the music as much as possible to get noticed by Pitchfork. What was the battle there? Because it's it seems like you guys were able to, you know, break through in, in ways that so many other bands try and try and try and, and still can't because, you know, it's still a crowded field, even if indie rock now isn't what it was a decade ago. Yeah, uh, it was definitely, I mean, we were definitely just trying to play every show we could. We were playing, you know, two or three times a week. Um, all over the city, just jumping on whatever show. And, you know, we made a point to try and go to South by Southwest that the first year, so 09, so like less than a year after we started the band, um, we, or yeah, like six months after we started the band, uh, we like booked a tour ourselves down to Austin, um, kind of using whatever connections we had. Matt uh, Mondanely had... Well, actually, to back it up, like two years before this, uh, a f- we we made a record with our friend Julian Lynch, uh, the on a summer off from from college, we uh, went up to my uncle's house in Maine, and our friend Julian had written a bunch of songs, and we we're like, we're gonna make an album of your songs, and and you know, this was just like a bunch of high school friends, uh, plus Etienne, who was our the real estate's original drummer who Matt met in college. Um, so yeah, we all went up to Maine and made this record and, um, you know, with like, it was kind of like a half hearted attempt at doing what we then did two years later with real estate. But, you know, we were still in college and stuff, mm-hmm. but it was just kind of like, you know, we'll make a record and we'll go on tour and stuff. So they booked this big whole U S tour, which I kind of didn't go on cause I just, whatever, for whatever reason, I just didn't do it. Um, but they, they, they did, they did this tour and then kind of, you know, the band didn't really do much after that. Um, the record didn't really get any traction or whatever. It's just sort of this thing that we made, we burned like a hundred copies. Uh, it was kind of just like a fun thing to do that summer. Um, but anyway, we used some of those connections that we made to book our, to book real estate that down to Austin in 2009 and we did we was just all house shows that um and that was really big for us just like getting to meet a lot of people and and just really spread the word that way um but no I don't really I think just like playing so much being lucky enough to be near New York City and being able to play in New York all the time where there's obviously people that will notice you know like if you're gonna if you're gonna like try and start a band that would be a good place to do it because there's a lot of bloggers and you know music journalists and stuff there so it's like that was helpful um and i think just like kind of being in the right place at the right time like because other bands that were like i feel like we came up in this like group of bands that we're all pretty different, but like got similar, uh, uh, like pegged in a similar way of being like lo-fi, like chill hmm. beachy music or something. Yeah. Um, and so 
like waves like we we were like kind of written about in the same like you know breath as waves and best coast and like cloud nothings and stuff like all these bands that are also that are all still around and but really different you know we're all like really different from each other now and i always i still think real estate was kind of an outlier even back then but um but like i think i don't know we just kind of like we were part of like a wave of bands that kind of came out around that summer um of 2009 or like you know that kind of like started getting press and stuff i don't know i feel like there's a lot of luck involved uh plus hard work um you know but i i don't really know how it happened i think like other than the things that i described which yeah. especially especially i think you know getting to be in new york uh really was helpful because it it kind of there's a lot of network you know there's a lot of pre-existing network that's already there you know people that want to help each other out I would think there's something to that. Now, were you your own managers and bookers and all that? I mean, did you have to drive to, to clubs yourself and say, "Hey, listen, we're we're real estate and we want to play here. When is when you know whenever you'll yeah. have us kind of deal?" I or, mean, no, I mean it was well, maybe not like in person, but uh, like you know, email a lot of emailing and uh, a lot of uh, MySpace messaging. The, uh, MySpace messaging. Look at yeah. you right now, <laughs> throwing yeah. it back. But that's yeah. the grind, man. Especially in those early years. I mean, when you're trying to basically, you know, get as known as you can and, and get your music out to as many people as, as you can, and frankly, you know, yeah. make money. I mean, it, it's uh, you're your own machine. I mean, you you guys were the ones driving it, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we put we yeah we put a, a lot of a lot of work and time into it. Like, you know, I would not be able to do it now. Uh, you know, like we, we were young and kind of like just, that was the only, that was our focus, you know, was, was doing that. So, you know, it's definitely not the kind of thing that I could, yeah, I, you know, I've, I've like had conversations with people that are now closer to my age now about like, well, how do I, you know, how can I band like, you know, and I'm kind of just thinking like. I don't know what to tell you because I wouldn't be able to start a band now. Like if I was starting from scratch, I wouldn't be able to put like half the amount of work into it that I did because I was really selfish back then, you know, and yeah. you're 22 years old and all, you know, it's like, we're just kind of like, we just did whatever we wanted and, you know, played shows every night and everything. And so it was, it's definitely the kind of thing where you kind of have to, be, you kind of have to like, not care about anything else, I guess. Um, so cool. Yeah. Uh, before we get to the album making process and your songwriting, which I definitely want to delve into, uh, in terms of tours or gigs, uh, notable stories, any horror stories, what's the biggest, I mean, you've played plenty of festivals, but to this point, what is the biggest gig of, of your career? Would you say in terms of whether it's in terms of attendance and the people you're looking out to or the impact and the meaning of the gig what uh what are the standouts of your of your guys's career on the road to this point um i think i'm trying to think like definitely a big one for us i mean after days came out was like when we really played a bunch of bigger festivals and like like I know when we did Coachella, just because it's like broadcast on the internet, and like I just I feel like that was a, a lot of 
stuff came out of that, and like uh, Primavera was always like, I think, I mean, that might be the biggest crowd we've ever played to. Uh, you know, those are those are always really big. Um, I don't know, like Letterman, obviously, but that doesn't really do much other than just like show that you can play on TV and like your aunts and uncles and parents really? think it's cool. Okay, but, that, no, that's this is inter- no, this is interesting because. Uh, you know, I did think about the Letterman appearance and getting that, I think if you're on TV, this is from my perspective, if you're a band that makes it on a late night talk show, whether it's Letterman or now Colbert, you know, any of those shows, I think it, from the outside in, it's certainly established, it's a, it's a certain, uh, achievement of establishment for a lot of bands. Uh, and maybe there's something to that, but are you speaking to maybe more like, it was a cool thing to do, but I don't know if it really gave us necessarily more of a bump in momentum from where we were at the time. Yeah, no, I don't think. I mean, that that's something that like most people I think would tell you in the music world is like, I mean, unless you are like, unless something crazy happens and like Future Islands. Yeah, you yeah. Know, you know, and they that Father John huge. Misty going totally weird on Letterman. Yeah, like, as well. yeah, which like is like, like says yeah. something. Yeah, like that definitely speaks to like if you're if I mean you can definitely use it to your advantage and if you if you're creative and do something cool with it. Um, but otherwise, it's like think about how many times you've watched any of those shows and like you can't think of the band that was on it or you know mm-hmm. like they 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 have to get somebody to fill every slot every night. You know, I don't know. So it's like. Yeah, I, I mean, we I was really we were really excited. We we really wanted we were like couldn't wait to we you know we wanted to be on television and we saw like a lot of our friends' bands doing it, so we knew it was well within the realm of possibility. So then when it finally happened, we were we were really excited. But like we kind of I kind of always it's not like I had any delusions that like it was gonna you know we were gonna blow up or something after that. Like I already felt pretty lucky to be where we were at, um, but. Um, so no, but that, you know, so that was, that was, it's definitely a milestone. It was definitely a milestone for us, but, uh, I don't think it did much other than, you know, kind of prove something to ourselves. Um, any, any, uh, any gigs that, you know, just went totally haywire, Uh, gear didn't work, no one showed up, any, anything um, that you can look back on? fondly now <laughs> maybe fondly I mean, isn't even so the right many, word it's it's so it's like when when i have like like when you ask me like what you know what gigs stick out it's like we've played so like hundreds and hundreds of shows so it's like and then weirdly like i mean certain ones stick out like when okay so i mean just as a story like i mean we played this festival maybe last year two years ago in france called la route du rock um which is in, it's uh, in I forget. It's in I mean it's in the northwest of France in, in Brittany. Um, but anyway, it was like a rainy night, all lots of mud and everything everywhere. Um, we played this this set, and then halfway through the set, my amp just stopped working, and like we spent maybe ten minutes on stage trying to like move stuff around. Had another amp, and like I was ready to just walk off. I was super exasperated, like just like you know and embarrassed or whatever like i I'm not, i don't deal with that kind of those kinds of situations well luckily matt uh was just like it's fine just <laughs> he's like just calm down there's another amp right here like you, there's a backup you know like but like 
I mean, so that's happened. I've had, I've played lots of shows or, you know, maybe a dozen shows where we're on tour for two weeks and I lose my voice, you know, I get sick and then I lose my voice. And then like, we probably should cancel the show, but like, <laughs> we're like, yeah, it's fine. We'll just do, you know, we have some instrumental songs and we have some songs that, you know, other people in the band sing. So like, we'll do most of those. And then, uh, you know, we'll just try and keep your voice to a minimum. And like, I'm just kind of like croaking through the set. Um, those are, I mean, so like that kind of stuff just sucks. Like, make, you know, it really wears on me. Like when I, it's mm. like, cause you, I don't know, you get sick, you're tired. And then, and then I can't do the show properly. And then, you know, it's just like, it's kind of just like really not fun playing a show and not being able to do it right you know and, and just like uh just not being able to sing is not is not good um are you a perfectionist because so, I, I ask that in, in, a, in a complimentary way because with a lot of your songs there seems to be a uh an, an intentional you know perfectionist vibe to it in a good way I though th- yeah i think definitely with songwriting and and recording i definitely am uh i can get like pretty intense uh with the yeah being a perfectionist um definitely live uh yeah i mean i think i think i can i yeah i definitely i mean live there's so many more variables it's hard to like to to be a total i mean like we could you know it's like i don't use in your monitors and like i think we're we're pretty like we keep it pretty uh low key live like we're really, I think a lot of times we show up at a, at a venue and the people there are really refreshed. Cause like, we don't have computers with us or like backing tracks and, you know, we're just some amps, you know, and some guitars and a keyboard. Uh, I don't know. It's, it, we're really straightforward live. Uh, we half the time don't even have a sound guy with us, which <laughs> really, like, we're, I mean, yeah, like, uh, depending on the tour if it's a big if it's a longer tour then we'll bring somebody um i don't know i mean i think for the 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 level that we're at um we keep it very real (laughs) uh maybe maybe too real sometimes um but yeah uh so i don't know yeah one more question about your live sound and how Okay, so when you play these, you know, Coachellas and these festivals and overseas and and all of that, your sound on the records that you've made, uh, love it, love the way it comes through, but it does not scream this should be played in front of sixty thousand people or whatever. So how do you guys approach that and and make it work where you can play uh, to such huge crowds? Because you're not. You know, you're not Bon Jovi. You know, you're not yeah. you're not uh, you're not putting one one leg on the on the foot wedge and and just going crazy and screaming into the mic. I mean, you guys have a very breezy, very good and fun. Like it's a good bop, and you know, and I've I've never seen you guys in concert, but I've watched some of your live videos. Like there is there is energy there, but it is definitely a different kind of energy. So how do you guys, you know, assemble a game plan to play these huge festivals with all these people, plenty of whom you know are there to see you, but plenty of whom might be there to see the band after you or the one that came before you. And you're trying to inherently, you know, win over new fans at your biggest opportunities at these huge festivals. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we really, it's like, we just, 
we we don't i don't know we we don't really have a plan we 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 practice and we make sure that we you know that we have you know we we're good live i think you know like we don't we don't like we can play our songs and we can we can get them across live and i you know and i think we're pretty tight like we've been playing together for a long time so like that just comes with touring a lot and just also being old friends i think like there's a definite like chemistry when we play live um and then but i just we just kind of like play our songs and um and like i don't know because there's not much else we can do we're not i'm definitely not none of us are really showmen uh you know i don't even really like to talk to the crowd that much um bleaker does that you know he, he alex does a lot of the stage banter uh but that's just kind of the role he fell into. Um, but for like a festival, I don't know. I feel like we, we kind of can just come through. I mean, if, if we make any kind of impression, it's just by being ourselves and kind of like being the, the refreshing kind of mellow band that you can watch. Uh, and kind of, you know, it's a little bit more subtle, I guess. Uh, and you kind of just have to hope that people are going to kind of go there with you uh you know what i mean like if mm-hmm. if somebody doesn't if somebody would rather hear like a heavy rock band then they can probably go find that at the festival um or whatever or or just i mean there's plenty of bands that i can think of that that are able to be mellow live and it's still exciting and fun to watch i think like you know like beach house like you just have to i feel like it's if you're not um if your music isn't inherently like uh, energetic or, or whatever. Although we do have some songs that are at least like, you know, up tempo or something. Oh, without um, a doubt. You no. know, so like a lot. I, mean, I would actually say most of our songs at least have like a good beat to them. You could probably like, you know, dance a little bit if you wanted to. Um, but it's just not like loud rock, you know, and it's not really in your face. So. Um, do you do? You... I just think I think <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say I, I think the way that we are able to. Uh, be interesting is just by doing it well or something or you know what i mean as well as we can or just trying to like to kind of uh i guess that would be when you say like if i'm if i think we're all kind of perfectionists in just trying to um to make sure that we're playing the songs well and 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 we're all we all know our our parts properly and we we're listening to each other uh I don't know. I mean, I've, I have also had people, like friends of ours, tell like that have seen us many, many times. Um, like when I say that we don't tour with a sound guy, like a lot of times we, it's like we don't really need one because if all of, basically, if we're all playing at the same volume, like we kind of like if you know, if somebody just put all the faders at the same level, um, it would probably work because that's uh, magic, man. <laughs> because well, because we've. We were we we've been playing together for a long time, and I think we just kind of like the dynamics are there within uh, when we play with each other. Like you know, like we one person knows when to get quieter, to get louder, you know. And like I said, we don't have a lot of extra stuff going on. We don't have a lot of like computers or anything yeah. like that would kind of muddle the sound, or or that you have to like have a lot of expertise to deal with. We're pretty natural. Can I get a can I get a quick rundown? I'm a, I'm a guitar player here, and I'm guessing that you and uh, Matt Mondanely don't have uh, any any 
dirt pedals on there, but I'm wondering what uh, what does your pedal board consist of? Uh, definitely, there's you guys have a great ability to have these like pure clean guitar sounds, and occasionally you'll whoosh in some nice phase action. And I I I just love the way that you guys have hit on on a dynamic and an interplay between you two that is hitting a sweet spot that works and yet is in a lot of ways very simple so i was wondering how you um how you make your sound and what your pedal board might be uh, comprised of um well we both use guitars with single single coil pickups uh like matt uses this gibson melody maker um which is it's kind of funny because it's a gibson but it's like it's basically like if gibson made a fender like because they're these little single coil pickups and like, mm-hmm. um, and then I use usually a Strat or a Tele, um, and then we both use Fender amps that are just really clean with a little bit of reverb. Uh, actually, Matt doesn't use any reverb, um, but he always, he has delay on the whole time. There we and go. Then, okay. And then I I kind of switch between delay and no delay depending on what part of the song or what song I'm using. Um, but then my pedal board is just. Uh, I have a chorus pedal that I only use on one song. It's just for a specific effect. Um, and then I have two different phasers. Um, what kind? The The chorus pedal is the Earthquaker C Machine, which is cool. Um, then I have the DoD Phase Two fa- Phasor. It's like spelled weird. I think it's the 201. It's like yeah. It's a really, really mellow phaser. Like it's so I, I usually keep that one um, turned pretty fast. Like so I'll use that for like a kind of a more of like a quick phase. And then um but I, I got that kind of recently. Um and then I have a uh MXR phase ninety that's uh, been like classic. the kind of that's, that's, so that's the like go-to. the classic. Yeah, yeah the, the phase ninety like if I if I had to I could play a show with with three pedals if like if I you know like because the, the the extra phaser and the chorus pedal are kind of there like I very rarely use them so then kind of like the three kind of workhorse pedals well plus the tuner you know um, mm-hmm. so minus the tuner it's the phase ninety um, a boss uh, super overdrive pedal which I just use as like a boost. And it okay. adds like a tiny bit of distortion. I keep the distortion low, and I kind of just turn up the drive. Um, or no, what is it? I I turn, turn up whatever the level, it is the, 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 the level. Yeah. yeah, keep the drive low. Turn up the level so that I kind of use that. Just like if I'm going to play a solo, my you know my the rare solo that I do. <laughs> um, I'll that's what I use to to boost my signal, and then add just like a, a tiny bit of distortion, and then a boss um, space echo like the the like a boss makes like a it's like it's got the two it's got uh it's got the tap tempo on the the right side and then it's yeah it's basically just like it it's kind of it's like a cheesy replication like a digital replication of of a tape of a roland space echo machine um which like is just kind of like i matt and i both got one when we first started real estate and like that's been kind of like the the delay pedal that we've always, we've both always used. Um, although Matt recently graduated to the giga delay, um, (laughs) which is like, 
basically the same pedal. It's just, I think it actually sounds a little bit nicer. It's, just, it's a little more clean. Um, and I guess it can do some other stuff, uh, different effects. But um, so yeah, basically just delay, overdrive, and phase are kind of like my main things. And then it's the same with Matt, although he uses, I think, a small stone phaser um, in the different delay pedal. And then I don't even know what else he uses. I think he has, um, I think his overdrive is the, I think it might be an MXR. I don't remember. Um, we basically have the same, it's the same setup, just maybe with different like brands yeah. so that we kind of have like slightly different sounds. Um, but yeah, like it's really, it's pretty simple. Well, I, I, listen, I, I wanted to touch on that one cause I, I play guitar and I, and I love that kind of stuff, but also one of the things that really drives me to your band is that, you know, people who play guitar gearheads will sometimes just go down the tunnel of buying 27 pedals in the search of this tone and what you're ex what you're explaining here i mean listen the tone you guys get is just unreal like it is it is so pristine and and so terrific but yet it's based in you know very simplistic approaches yeah. in terms of pedal boards and it's it's I, funny because we just don't we don't really think about it that yeah and really you know what that I think that I like, think that's I think that's part of it I and really... also like I I get I get really kind of overwhelmed by pedals like I don't I like to keep it really manageable because otherwise I'm just like I don't like having a lot of extra stuff and I also think like I don't really yeah I just get overwhelmed I, I kind of just like I don't understand what this does I don't I can't figure out when I would use it so I don't need it um I kind of like I see bands play that. I'm like, you know, not necessarily jealous, but like intrigued. Like when I see, like I've, you know, I've seen the war on drugs a few times and I, I watched them oh my gosh, yeah. from the side of the stage um, when they played Primavera and like, I'm looking at um, Adams, like he's got like two pedal boards. It's he's insane. got like 40 pedals in front of him. <laughs> and I mean, his guitar sounds like incredible. It's insane how good his, his, his everything. I mean, you know, they're a great live band, but like he really gets like amazing sounds out of his guitar so he obviously knows what he's doing he's he i mean he's a gearhead so like i'm just not like uh i mean he's he's yeah he's just good with that stuff he he's a he's a good producer too he produces his own band you know and like he understands more technical stuff um i think we're i mean matt i think it goes a little bit more down like he he at least I think owns more pedals and he's more prone to experimenting and trying different things. And he owns more like recording gear. And, um, I think he's more interested in, in that side of it than I am. I'm kind of more like, I don't know if it gets the job done and then I kind of more focus on just writing. Um, so, but like, yeah, I mean, I like, it's like, there's just certain sounds that I know I like, you know, I know I like phaser, like I know when to use it. And like, you know, when it'll work in, in my songs and the same thing with delay. Like I know I like delay, uh, for certain parts and songs, you know, like if I want the song to kind of get kind of like more, I always just describe it as like wide, like widen up the sound, like, you know, like, cause I'm, I play mostly rhythm guitar, but like, I mean, another thing that I would say f for us live, like when you say like you know, we have like a good tone or something. I think it's really just the mixture of, of the two guitars and what we're playing. 
like the parts that we're playing like because it's it's basically they're just two basically two clean guitars with sometimes with you know matt always has delay on so it's like one guitar with delay one clean guitar with delay sometimes and like i think the sound comes from us we're never really we're never playing in unison and we're both usually playing something somewhat melodic like if i'm if i'm like strumming a song there's usually at least kind of a melody embedded in the chord structure like mm-hmm. you know like i'll be putting a finger on or taking a finger off from a chord to like kind of lead into the next chord um and then matt's playing just a straight melody so like i think that's kind of where we get our sound is like the two guitars playing together and and then also bleaker playing a, you know usually a really melodic bass line so like it's i think it's really comes from the the arrangements more than anything um like and that's kind of yeah that it's the arrangements are complex and then they're kind of presented in a simple way or something yeah no that makes sense but in terms of your album making process you you know we touched on the perfectionist stuff and yet i was reading that it only took uh what 10 days to lay down atlas which was your record that came out in 2014 very very good record highly highly recommend it um so one, is that accurate? Did it take 10 days to record it? And if it did, how long did it take to actually write the music for it? I mean, sometimes yeah. bands will go into a studio, write half the record there. Sometimes bands will have basically 10 of, you know, X amount of songs done and then others might come. What was that process like? And and if it was so short, you know, magic in a bottle kind of thing, did you expect that? Or were you any, under any kind of like deadline from uh, the label to push something out? Uh, no, there's no deadline. I mean, and, and t- to be clear, like we tracked it in 10 days, but then we took another maybe two weeks to mix it. So then when we were mixing, we were also adding, like okay. I was, tr- you know, tracking some more vocal harmonies and, um, you know, adding some guitar stuff here and there. So, but I mean, it was a relatively quick process. Like it, it really did feel like it kind of zoomed by. Um, but no, I mean... Yeah, we, we, I mean, we tracked the record live pretty much. Like, we all sat in a room and played each song. Um, and then we, you know, with a lot of overdubs, overdubbed all the vocals and, and uh, you know, certain other things here and there. Like, a lot of the keyboards were overdubbed and um, the acoustic guitar and things like that. But, um, but no, we spent, we spent, like, nine months writing those songs. So, like, that was kind of... We spent a really long time uh, working out each arrangement and and kind of like yeah i mean a a lot of care went into the writing of that record and then and then i think we did i think the idea was to record live or to at least like to try and capture like the reason we um ended up recording with tom schick um the producer of that record was because like I don't know. We I we were talking a lot about um, Jim O'Rourke and uh, how he like the way uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot the Wilco record sounds and like started talking about Wilco a lot and how good you know I kind of wanted to make that sort of I don't know I was I was really interested in making that kind of a record that like sounds like a band playing in a room that's like really pristine and the drums sound incredible and like. You know, I just wanted it to be like the most polished, professional sounding record, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, possible. Like, I just wanted to make like 
you know, just a really, really good record. So like, that's kind of what got us talking about Wilco. And then Tom Schick has been their kind of go-to producer for a few years now. And, um, that's kind of how we ended up recording in their studio. But, um, like, uh, what was I saying? Um, yeah. In terms of writing the songs, getting it down, 10 days tracking. Yeah. Like, and, yeah, so I mean that the yeah the, the actually I mean, it's, yeah so we we did we spent a long time writing, and then yeah and then we just kind of laid it down really fast, um, but yeah like too fast almost I feel, like when I thought back on it I was just like that went by really quickly like if we had more time I probably would have fixed this or that or like you know then a lot of the my weird that's kind of when my kind of perfectionist stuff comes in into play and then I spend. We we also recorded way more songs than ended up on the record, so like that was kind of the big thing was like deciding which one sh- should make the record and in what sequence and all that stuff. Like that took a really long time. Like it took us probably two months after we after the record was completely you know finished, being mixed and everything. It took us probably another two months to to come up with the finished product because like you know, artwork and naming the record, naming each song, like tracking, yeah, I mean, uh, sequencing it and, you know, that, that's sure. kind of the hard, that was the harder part. Well, okay. So one quick question is most of what we hear on Atlas, the takes of you guys recording live all at once. And then there are some overdubs or did you play live, keep the drums and maybe the bass. And then you had to then overdub the guitar parts and vocals later. Um, there, no, it's, it's mostly, it's mostly the former. There's maybe a song or two where like everything is good, you know, like the, the the vibe of the take was really good, but then like, you know, there's a guitar issue, so we would overdub one of the guitars. You know, there's a little bit of that. Like, yeah. you know, we weren't like trying to be like Neil Young. You know, we weren't <laughs> like really like. It's not like the idea was to make to record live and have that be like you know the. The, the the way it's done 100% like we you know we just wanted we just thought like we, we wanted to have a kind of the vibe of our, uh, you know like a live general live vibe yeah. to the record but but also like you know have it be really lush and and you know so like to, you know we we had no problem adding onto it or fixing things that were you know if there were any mistakes absolutely um, yeah so okay so you got 10 songs on the record how many did not make the cut then are we talking another 10 plus um maybe like another seven okay and so you've got a new record many moons coming out did any of the songs that didn't make atlas go on to many no okay no those are yeah those are all those are all just purely yours yeah yeah different songs yeah Okay, so let's let's segue here, Martin. So Many Moons, which if people might be listening to this podcast a year after we've recorded, in which case Many Moons has been out for many moons and many yeah. days, uh, and and feel free to, to listen to it. Uh, Vestiges is a song that you had released uh, early on in the promotional process, which is a very, very good, very cool song. has a dreamy yet boppy vibe to it. But my question is, why, when and why do you make the decision, hey, you know, Real estate is still definitely you're trending up, so to speak, right? The band is a lot of momentum behind it, but you say, "I'm going to make a solo record." What? How do you di- how do you distinguish? Okay, these songs that I'm writing, these are going to work better for a solo album and output, and why even go the solo album output right now? Um, 
well i guess that's not really kind of that's not really what happened like i okay. i was talking to to my friend jarvis about where we you know we had just been talking about making music together for a long time and uh and um he got in touch with me about um he had access to this studio he records a lot of bands in brooklyn and he you know he, in addition to being in the band woods he's he also is kind of a producer for a lot of bands that are on like captured tracks and and other labels as well um but anyway uh i think it really just kind of it kind of just happened organically like i had i had some more songs and i kind of knew that i was sort of writing them for this this other project you know like for jarvis like you know like i kind of just segued into it like you know i just kept writing music and, and it basically what was it the, the idea was that like we were sort of in that this I guess it started in the time period that I was talking about where like we had finished mixing the record but we were still dealing with sequencing and all that other stuff and like kind of finishing the record and then we knew it wasn't even going to come out for you know until like for another you know five months or whatever you know like there's just a lot of downtime that was you know in the holidays and were coming and it was just kind of like that's where we were at we were at sort of like the in-between time between making the record and the record coming out and like touring you know doing all that stuff mm-hmm. so um we i don't know i was just kind of thinking like you know if i write songs now they're not necessarily they don't they're not there's no need for them to be real estate songs because we have a whole an entire new record that's not even out yet you know so like if i tried to like if I keep writing songs, like they're not going to even see the light of day for another, you know, year and a half to however long, two years, you know, like if I tried to make another real estate record right now, it's, I'd probably get sick of the songs before they even <laughs> uh, saw the light of day. So like, um, I guess, yeah, you know, it was just like, a, it was, I think we just kind of went at it like, you know, as something, as like a project, you know, just like a fun thing to do you know just a side project and it definitely wasn't supposed to be a solo record it was just supposed to be you know he and i were working on some songs um but then it then you know it ended up that they were all my songs and then um i mean it kind of snowballed into an into an actual album like it, it was first we were just like gonna make an a single you know and then it was an ep you know as as gradually more songs accrued and then it was just kind of like once we had like five or six songs, I was just thinking like, you know, why don't we just make a, 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 you know, a full record and Domino expressed interest in putting it out. So we're just like, all right, you know, this, this is a real thing now. Let's just go for it. Um, But, you know, this was all happening now at this point, you know, the real estate record had come out. We were, I was touring a lot. Jarvis, um, his band Woods had just put, a record out as well so we were both touring a lot so it took a long time to kind of get the record together like to actually finish it we were really just getting into the studio like once a month or once every other month you know just kind of when we were both in town and had a couple of days off and wanted to deal with it um and then yeah so then you know finally we found ourselves with a record and yeah i mean like i said though it wasn't we we were kind of they were my songs, but like, I kind of wanted to come up with a band name and, and, but you know, and have it be like this sort of just like another, 
project, yeah. you know, like, but then I, I couldn't come up with a good name and, and also just like, it just sort of started to make sense to just put it out under my own name. And, um, so that's what, it, that's what ended up happening. And how is the sound different for people that have not listened to it yet? If they know real estate, how is it different from the real estate sound? Um, I mean, it's, I think a little more, so like the idea was to kind of make like, you know, the, 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 the band in my head, the, like the band that plays on this record was, you know, acoustic guitar is it like the, all the songs are kind of driven by acoustic guitar and then there's drums, bass and electric guitar leads like, you know, and the electric guitar is maybe I think a little more clean and a little more sort of, I, just, I guess it's just clean, more clean than real estate. You know, like with in real estate, when Matt plays leads, like I said, he's always got delay on, and like his sound is very specific. His way of playing guitar is very specific to him. So like, really not having him on the record really kind of changes the sound. You know, just by virtue of the fact that he's not playing on the record, and then having a different drummer. You know, Aaron. Um, well, two two guys played drums on the record. This guy, Aaron Naveau, and then this other guy, uh, Mike Michael Stasiak, uh, both have you know very different styles from Jackson in real estate. And I don't know. It just kind of like it just has its own sound. It kind of organically developed its own sound. And in addition to to I think consciously not wanting to make a real estate record. So I think, I think the main go-to route for not having it sound like real estate was just like, let's keep it clean and try and make like kind of like a pop rock record or like a, you know, different influences, more kind of seventies, uh, sort of power pop and a lot of kinks and, and then sort of more folky influences as well. Yeah. Just kind of, I don't know. It kind of, it, like I said, it happened organically, and then all of a sudden we found found ourselves with the record, and we're like, "Well, this is what it is," you know. And obviously, there's definitely some real estate, you know, sounding stuff on there as well. Sure, no just doubt. Cause, yeah, that's inevitable. Uh, yeah. We'll wrap up with you, you mentioned how you've got another album's worth of music with real estate. Are have you cycled out of the the Atlas phase in terms of? touring and gigs or are you still on the tail end of that and the second part of my question is when when do you enter the the studio phase or the next gear of okay let's switch now we've um, got another album and let's start you know putting momentum toward that if you're there already or if not when does that sort of begin I, yeah i don't know i mean we're, we're we're definitely like out of the atlas world phase uh world tour um we're not like we don't have any shows booked um we're pretty much like i'm writing right now like i've been writing a bunch of new songs um so that's kind of where we're at and then um i don't know i mean i'm hoping that like by the end of this year maybe um at least or early next year like hopefully we'll have at least a good amount of songs um you know that maybe we could get together and and start a start rehearsing or something. I mean, I would love to have an album by like the end of next year, you know, maybe like it, 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 it's a, it's a slow process. I mean, I don't think like all those songs that are left over from Atlas, I'm not really sure what we're going to do with them, but I don't, there, I don't really see any of them being like recycled onto the next record. Like if anything, maybe 
I mean, because there's some, there's definitely some some good songs. Um, some of them have come out as like B sides or whatever. Um, but there's there's definitely a couple more that like just haven't seen the light of day yet. And I feel like you know maybe we'll do like a deluxe version or something. You know, something at some point they'll I'm sure they'll come out. Um, but no, I'm we're gonna just we're kind of starting from scratch and uh yeah you know my record isn't even out yet alex bleaker has uh another solo record that he's putting out i think like two weeks before mine uh this month and uh so it'll be kind of like promote our you know matt's about to leave for a big european tour with ducktales so like yeah we're kind of focusing on our own projects right now while writing or at least i'm writing i think for the next real estate record so like um it's kind of like it's almost kind of like what the way that i made my solo record you know like i was i was writing it while i was touring and promoting the last real estate record now i feel like i'm writing the next real estate record while i'm promoting (laughs) this solo record you know like that's kind of like hopefully that'll just keep being how it goes i I mean i don't know if i'm going to make another solo record but but at least like the idea of just kind of constantly being writing you know just always uh trying to stay stay prolific i guess if i can yeah dig it martin hey thanks for thanks for taking so much time to to let us into your world i think you're you're a band who listen a very good following and i think people might even love the band that don't even know you yet and hopefully this podcast helped uh bring their your music to their ears because i highly recommend it it's listen you guys do what you do well um very well and very eager to uh listen to your solo output and you know what comes down the road so thank you very much no thank you thank you thanks for having me absolutely to those listening if you came upon this podcast specifically because of real estate look around that podcast feed on itunes you'll see i have interviews with other musicians and episodes dedicated to specific bands and other general music topics i am matt norlander you can follow me on twitter at matt norlander and we'll talk to you soon